He really is getting worse, bad at the job. Now we know he's incompetent, we know he lies. He also seems to have contempt, a lack of respect for us, for the country. I really see that. Now, it's very apparent whenever Afghanistan comes up, our horrible and humiliating loss in Afghanistan, which is his responsibility. Now this week, there was a pretty devastating report uh, from the Pentagon as reported by the Washington Post about all the screw-ups over there and how much the Biden administration was responsible. Now, Lester Holt sat down with Joe for a big interview leading up to the Super Bowl. Most of it will be played at the Super Bowl. It came up. Joe couldn't keep anything straight in his head. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops, and we were back in this, this war of attrition. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. That's not old age. That's Joe. He's always been like that. He had to drop out of his first presidential campaign because he could not control the way he spoke. He had to deal with it back when he was 45 years old. Do you feel you're able to control, to put in the vernacular of your mouth, that you can think before you talk? Well, I've been in this business for 15 years. Um, And uh, I... uh, Um, I let my record of 15 years versus the transgression that you're referring to uh, stand. And you can make, you all can make that judgment. I feel very capable of uh, using my mouth in sync with my mind. We got a big problem with this guy, a big problem. So I mentioned that Washington Post report. Uh, Yes, it's devastating, outlining all of the mistakes, the frustrations the military had with the White House as it screwed this thing up from top to bottom. Joe seems in total denial about the whole thing. Denial and also, again, the dishonesty. You can feel it. I have to draw your attention to that Army report, an investigative report that's come out about the lead up to the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It it interviewed many military officials and officers who said the administration ignored the handwriting on the wall. Uh, Another described trying to get folks in the embassy ready to evacuate, encountering uh, people who are essentially in denial of, of this situation. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told. That you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No, what I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. But if we had not gotten out- And then he goes to a bunch of gibberish, which he's said before. I think the lie detector test would be going off the charts just for changing the tone. No, no. And then this is, to me, very obvious that he's lying. I just want to clarify, are you rejecting the conclusions or the, the accounts that are in this army report? Yes, I am. So they're not, not true. I'm rejecting them. That's dishonesty. There's something fundamentally wrong with this man. I'm sorry. And <laughs> it was a roadmap back when he ran for president. I'll show you again. He was caught lying about everything that ever happened to him prior to the age of 25. Listen. 
what law school did you attend and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, yes. could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably Reagan. have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. One degree, not three. No international moot court trophy, no honors, no scholarship. All of that were lies. And if you will lie about the small things, you will lie about Afghanistan. You will. Now, more about the interview, which we'll see on Sunday if you watch the Super Bowl. And I'll have some thoughts about that in a little bit. I woke up today and I saw headlines all over the place. Ooh, uh, Joe called the reporter a wise guy. Biden snaps at wise guy Lester Holt. Wow, I got to see this. Sounds like fireworks, doesn't it? I mean, it reads that way. No, it was nothing. Back in July, you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, and I understand that's your job. Ooh, what fireworks, huh? Um, what was more interesting was his totally out of touch, probably dishonest, uh, maybe just kind of a dumb explanation of why we're seeing record inflation. No mention of the extra trillions of dollars rolling around the economy. This is what he said. Let's look at the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is the supply chains were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles so they could function, they need those computer chips. They were not available. So what happens with the number of cars that were reduced, the new cars reduced, it made up at one point, one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestically, we got Intel to come in and provide $20 billion to build a new facility. A number of organizations are doing the same kinds of things. It really is just uh, just gibberish at this point, isn't it? Now, I haven't seen the whole interview. It's not available yet. It will be on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I have a feeling January 6th is going to come up. And Joe will once again try to portray this as the worst thing that ever happened to our democracy. And as you know, the left, they've been trying to seize more power. And so is big tech. This being the biggest threat, they've got to push back. They got to fight all of those white supremacists, right? Which is a total lie, by the way. It reminded me of something. And actually, somebody who knows history better than I do pointed out that Hitler, yes, Adolf Hitler, tried, believe it or not, a similar trick, okay? Using an event as a pretext for more power, as the left is doing right now with January 6th. There was something called the Reichstag fire in 1933, I believe. The Parliament was set ablaze. Now, Hitler 
was only in power for a little while at this point. He did not have a majority in the parliament. Um, less than 40%, I think, were made up of Nazis. He wanted more. He wanted more power. So they used this as an excuse. They said, this is a communist revolt. We've got communists here in Germany. We need more power to counteract them. Yes, we need to clamp down. In fact, Hitler wanted to be made the dictator, and he actually made it happen as a result of this fire. They call it the Reichstag Decree. The suspended key civil liberties used as legal basis for imprisonment of opponents to the Nazi party led to enabling act of 1933, and the government under Hitler became a dictatorship. Does that make sense? All right, there's a little animation that we found online from a European uh, documentary firm that kind of lays this all out. Hitler and his Nazi partner would continue that trend by claiming the Reichstag fire was done by a communist, even though there was no concrete evidence supporting that claim at the time. He managed to persuade German President Paul von Hindenburg that the communists were planning a violent uprising and that an emergency legislation was needed. The Reichstag fire is a flashpoint in history, where Adolf Hitler through propaganda took advantage of the public fear of communism in order to gain power. It set the stage for the rise of Nazi Germany and the horrors that followed. We're not there yet. I'm not equating the left to uh, Nazis or anything like that, although they say that about the right all the time. But you see the parallels. They are overstating the horrors of January 6th. They're using that as a pretext to achieve more power and try to cancel out their opposition. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Stay with us at the Super Bowl. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, they should not even be allowed in the stadium, but they will be performing. They will be the headliners at the halftime show. Stay with us. We've got much to say about that. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. All, All I, I can say is that, is that the fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? Uh, they really don't because there should be a whole whirlwind of criticism and outrage about Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg performing at the Super Bowl. These guys should not even be allowed to go into the stadium. That's how I feel, given their past, given how they embraced F the police. Dr. Dre helped come up with F the police, and Snoop Dogg goes around singing that all the time. These guys are the headliners at the Super Bowl, and man, oh man, are they proud. This is a blessing because... The Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in the world, mm. and hip-hop is the biggest form of music in the world. Yep. And for us to be able to have the opportunity to bring the two worlds together, this is what it's about. This is what hip-hop and the NFL is supposed to be about, representing, about change, about moving forward. So we appreciate the NFL for even entertaining hip-hop because we know a lot of people didn't want hip-hop on stage. True but that. we're here now, and it ain't nothing you can do Thank about you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, a lot of change, a lot of moving forward, right? Kneeling for the national anthem, not even playing the national anthem. Black Lives Matter all over the field, on the helmets. They're ruining the game. Hip-hop used to be fine. Now it's ugly and evil. Yes, it is. And some hip-hop used to be fine. Actually, the ugliness and evil, it's been there for a long time. 
What about you, Dr. Dre? We're going to open more doors for um, hip-hop artists in the future and making sure that the NFL understands that this is what it should have been a long time ago. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah, we're going to show exactly how professional we can be, how dope we can be on stage, and how ex how exciting we're going to be to the fans. Mm -hmm. So we're going to let you know what it is. What it is, huh? And he's going to be opening doors to future hip-hop stars. He's opening doors to hell. I believe that. He's opening doors to hell. Now, I'll get to that in a moment. But first, did he say something about professionalism? How professional they're going to be? Let me see some more of that. We're going to kill this. I'll go first. Yeah, Dre, go. I'm, <laughs> I'm over here trying to like find it. Yeah, I'm trying to find the right <laughs> to say. <laughs> incredible. No, I had to talk Snoop and Eminem out of pulling their Whoa! Ah! He said professional and dope. How about dopey? I think this is dopey. You know, last year was the deadliest year ever in the history of policing for police. And we have these two cop haters at the biggest event really in the culture for the entire year. Uh, I don't like this. I don't think you like it. And uh, it's more than just that one line, F the police. It's everything these guys do. Snoop Dogg. This is, uh, this is a song that should not be played at the Super Bowl. I don't know what's on their playlist, but uh, roll your window down, man, hand me my mother effing Glock. Man, give me another clip, because I'm going to smoke this fool. Yeah, N-word, one less N-word. Yeah, N-word, use a dead mother effer now. Okay, thanks, Snoop. And this is from Dr. Dre. Take a walk through the hood. Where we up to no good. I'm stranded on death row for pumping slugs in mother effers. Now you know you outdone, feel the shotgun, corrupt inmate cell block one. Yeah, I don't think this is good family fun. And maybe I am not cool or whatever. Oh, wow. I hear this a lot online. Man, that guy is so white. Well, I talked about opening doors to uh, hell. And let's ask the father of Jay Kwan. Have you heard about this case? He was an 18-year-old young man shot and killed in Brooklyn, New York. An aspiring drill rapper. I'm not familiar with drill rapping, but uh, we'll learn about it in a moment. Here he is doing his thing. And in the world of drill rap, they say he was actually pretty good. But he was pretty good at a deadly art that, yes, led to his death. I'm a dude, I do get out of Lama Squad School. YGK said Jesus got two. Like, you fool. And then basically, we have to bleep out the whole song. Sorry. So uh, there's a little taste. Now we're going to hear from uh, Jay Kwan's father. His name is Perry Williams. In a report assembled by uh, a local Fox 5 reporter named Lisa Evers. Take a look. Well, hip hop is no longer hip hop anymore. And now, if you're not doing drill, you're not going to get no, no play. The hard driving beats and dark, ominous sound of drill originated in Chicago. It was also heavily gang affiliated. It got a new life in Brooklyn and was brought into the mainstream by the late Pop Smoke. And drill 
the devil's music. It's nothing but murder, death, kill, drugs, everything, the whole ingredient for, for us to lose. Murder, death, drugs. That's the father of the young man shot and killed at 18, and he calls it the devil's music. Wow. Again, yeah, I know that sounds like something they probably said about rock and roll. But look at the lyrics. Look at what they glorify. The mayor of New York City uh, had something to say about this, although I think he's putting the blame on, well, take a look. Over the course of his high school years, Jaquan missed over 250 days of school, a clear sign that he needed more help. Our city should have caught that. We should have done more. I don't know if it's a bureaucracy's fault. I mean, we saw 250 days is a lot of school. Uh, I know what's not helping, and that's glorifying people like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and saying that hip-hop has arrived and singing about killing your homies in the hood is somehow A-OK, and if you don't get it, well, you don't get it, and that's on you. It's bad stuff. We all know that. Too many are afraid to say that. I think if we start having a real honest conversation about this stuff, we could save lives. All right. Now it's time to talk about those truckers up in Canada. Now, I think they're great. The mainstream media thinks they're terrorists. Sedition, insurrection, a threat to democracy. This city is under siege. They are now calling it an occupation. Alarming situation there in Ottawa. The police chief is calling it a nationwide insurrection driven by madness. Okay, well, you know what? We're kind of relying on, we talk to the truckers sometimes and we see video, but uh, one reporter spent a heck of a lot of time up there speaking to a hundred or so truckers. Let's go ahead and put that article on the screen, please. She wrote a great big story, What the Truckers Want by Rupa Subramanya. And she says this, I have spoken to close to 100 protesters, truckers, and other folks, and not one of them sounded like an insurrectionist, white supremacist, racist, or misogynist. Uh, They came from across the country, vaxxed, unvaxxed, white, black, Chinese, Sikh, Indian, alone or with their wives and kids. What else? They blasted, we are the world. And everywhere you looked, someone was waving the maple leaf, their flag. Uh, There was a new consciousness too, a feeling among the truckers that they weren't as alone as they thought. The solidarity was infectious. Uh, Ivan, 46, who emigrated from Ukraine said, we came to Canada to be free, not slaves. We lived under communism and in Canada, we're now fighting for our freedom. One more, if you're not vaccinated, one Peter said, they treat you like garbage lying on the streets. You know, O Canada, the national anthem, glorious and free. They're supposed to be free up there. You know, the truckers, they were not getting the money we sent to them, people from all over the world, through GoFundMe. GoFundMe said, no, we're not doing this. They refunded all the money. Thank God for Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go is sending the money to the truckers exactly where we want it to go, those who are sending money, and take a look at what Give, Send, Go said, even though the attorney general of, I think, Ontario said, you can't do this. Canada has absolutely zero jurisdiction over how we manage our funds here at Give, Send, Go. Awesome. Also, 
All funds for every campaign on Give, Send, Go flow directly to the recipients of those campaigns, not least of which is the Freedom Convoy campaign. That is totally awesome. Back here at home, we are slipping. We're slipping on every front. Most importantly, most dangerously, our national defense is decaying. The Pentagon has been usurped, pulled in a million different directions. Are they concerned about war fighting anymore? Mm, kinda, but not really. There are other priorities, diversity, equity, inclusion. There are only so many hours of the day, in the day, and we have burdened our military with this crap. We talked about this guy earlier in the week, General Minahan, a four-star Air Force general who went to the base psychiatrist and felt the need to tell the world, look at me, I saw the psychiatrist, as if anybody really cares or should care or should know about him. And then he goes and he tweets about it. I learned so much about myself because I went to the psychiatrist. Well, okay, good for you. Um, Here's the deal, though. You're talking about something that doesn't help us win wars. Uh, We don't need to know the details of your mental or your physical appointment. Just make sure you're well and combat ready. There is no stigma anymore going to a psychiatrist, okay? The Bob Newhart show came out a long time ago. The Sopranos, too. The Chinese, their generals are not going online and talking about their private medical situations. I guarantee it. But here's something the general should have done. He should have emphasized a resource that has been available to everybody in the military. It was available when I was in the military, but I barely availed myself. The chaplains. The chaplains, they go with them into war. They are there. They'll always be there. They always were there. But too often, uh, they're ignored. Too often, uh, a tweet about a psychiatrist gets all the attention. And these, these chaplains are just waiting to show people the way. I'm glad they're there. And I wish I talked to them more when I wore the uniform. Okay, stay with us. We want to update you on Barack Obama's new house. The award-winning documentary that examines one of the most beloved speeches in American history, how it was written, and its meaning to us then and now. Watch Lincoln at Gettysburg this weekend, only on Newsmax TV. Hey, uh, (laughs) this situation, totally misreported by the fake news and misunderstood by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. We thought we should remind everybody that these guys, these Border Patrol men, did nothing wrong. We've looked at the photographs. They weren't abusing anybody. They were doing their job, and they're still on the job. Sure. Joe Biden, the fake news, all said that they were going to fire these guys and that they were all in big trouble. No, they're not in big trouble because they did nothing wrong. Yeah, I know it's probably a little bit hot bureaucratically, but the fakers and the politicians, they're not going to win. As an image, to me, it does smack of a bygone era of slavery treating human beings the way they were horrible. What we have seen was cruel, inhumane. I was horrified to see the images. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. 
Well, the thing is, uh, Joe did not see what he says he saw because it didn't happen. You look at it, all right? That did not happen. And those Border Patrol guys are still on the job. We await to see how this case is ultimately adjudicated. All right. Did you hear that Barack Obama has yet another home? Now, who remembers Magnum P.I.? This is a great show on Thursday nights on CBS. Anybody remember it? So uh, I love this guy. He was cool. His buddy in the helicopter, Higgins, the whole team. It was great. And don't forget the car, the Ferrari. Now, he had a unique living arrangement. He lived in this mansion with a butler, Higgins. Remember, Higgins didn't actually own the house. He was like the caretaker. So get this, Barack Obama's new house is on that property. They knocked down the Magnum P.I. house, and Barack Obama is having a new house set up just for him. This will be in addition to the, how many properties does he have now? He's got Martha's Vineyard. He's got Chicago. He's got Washington, D.C. And now he's got the sweetest crib of them all, the Magnum P.I. house. Will he grow a mustache? I think we're going to, you know, I just want everybody to remember that we gave him this. We, the American people, he was elected twice. We gave him fame and power and riches. Donald Trump had all of that way before he became president. Mar-a-Lago was purchased by Donald Trump in the 1980s, 30 years before he became president. Isn't that something? Fame, power, money. He had all that. He went into politics to give back. It's kind of old-fashioned when you think about it. All right, stay with us. We're going to meet a guy who was dragged out of a school board meeting for no good reason. Well, he wasn't wearing a mask, but that's no good reason anymore. Stay with us. All right, it's one of those videos going viral. A totally ludicrous situation. A guy just sitting there, thrown out physically for not wearing a mask. Totally over the top. We're going to go through this in a moment with the guy who was in the middle of it all and his attorney. Actually, let's turn the video off for a moment. We're going to watch the whole thing with the sound up. But first, David Callis is the man who was dragged out of that upstate New York school board meeting. He joins us now along with his attorney, Chad Hummel, Welcome, gentlemen. You are not related. You don't have the same names, but you look very much alike. Uh, David, you are on the right. You are slightly taller than your attorney, Chad, on the left. Welcome to you both. How's it going? This chair's up a little higher, Greg. Okay. Thanks for having us, Greg. Listen, number one, uh, were you arrested, David, uh, after that? We saw you get dragged out. Were you arrested, or is that as bad as it got? And granted, it was very bad, but were you arrested? I was not arrested. That's a good I thing. Right. I was forcibly removed, as you saw from the video. Um, law enforcement did intervene outside of the boardroom. And as I was uh, inquiring to law enforcement whether I was able to stay or not, it was, un it was undecided. So he had to go in and, and get clarification. So I remained in the building uh, without a mask on um, until I received word that I could go back and, and sit or um, you know, speak as I was registered to do so. Wait, are you saying you were let back in? I, I was in the building the entire time without a mask. Okay, but after they dragged you out, did they let you back in? I, I ended up uh, not getting an answer in time. I, 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 and the meeting I was some, over? 
Well, I had some back pain and I left voluntarily to go to urgent care. Okay. That's, that's really what happened. And you're they okay never now. Kicked, they never actually kicked them out of the building though. Uh, well, they, 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 they brought you to the vestibule at least, right? They did. Okay. Forcibly. Let's watch the whole thing. Again, it's totally over the top. It's about 30 seconds long, uh, the portion we're going to show. Let's roll it. They found him. We're in America. Oh, time to... Look at this. Look at this. Look What are you doing? What the f*** are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Is this how you treat What are you doing? Do you put your hands up the Holy children like that? Holy crap. Holy crap. That's assault. That is assault. Uh, oh, my God. Is what they're doing to oh the my children? God. Doing that to the children, too? Holy What the f*** are you doing? What are you doing? Officer, do something about that. David, I like your style. You resisted without getting violent. You, 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 you kind of maintained your dignity, in my opinion, throughout all of that. Now, the district, they say they asked you to leave twice before it came to that. Is that true? That is not true. Uh, the entire time the uh, security staff um, was interacting with me, he asked me to put my mask on three times. Um, I thanked him twice, and the third time I, I told him, no, I'm not doing that. And that's when he put his hands on me. By the way, this is not a police officer. This is, and I guess, Chad, I'll ask you, who is this guy who, who, who dragged him out? What is his authority? What is his title? Yeah, he is, uh, as far as I understand, uh, he is a security officer who was employed directly by the Webster Central School District. He is not law enforcement. He has no law enforcement authority. Uh, so essentially, in the context of what you see on this video, he is no different than you and I. He has zero authority to place his hands on anyone. And uh, the the authorities, the criminal authorities, the police department in Webster, New York, are actually actively investigating this as a possible crime to bring charges against this individual. And um, and, they, and, they, and they certainly could. Uh, my understanding is the district attorney's office is also taking a look at it. So um, he's employed by the district and his only authority... Uh, theoretically would have been to ask him to leave. And All right. if, Dave, if Dave refused to leave, they could have called the police, I suppose. Well, I saw the police officer there. He didn't exactly spring into action. Exactly. He just kind of followed you casually into that vestibule area. Yes. The school district has a statement. We're going to put up a portion of it. The first half is a bunch of gobbledygook, mutton pablum. Uh, but here we go. The individual whom you inquired about was asked to put his mask on three times and he refused. He was unasked to leave the meeting and refused to do so, resulting in Webster Central School District security per physically removing the individual from the meeting. Uh, that basically checks out with you for the most part, David. The first part, I believe, is true. They didn't ask me to leave, though. Yeah, not, not, not at any point in that altercation from the beginning to the end did they ask me to leave. And it wasn't until law enforcement got involved that I questioned whether I was able to stay so I can give my presentation about the, um, um, the, the mask mandates in the school district, which have remained for the last two years. And it's still an issue. And our children have not had a voice or a choice in it. And that's why I was there. I'm fighting on behalf of my son. And anybody else who hadn't had the courage to sign up for those board meetings who don't want masks on their kids anymore. We You're don't want masks banned. All we're asking for is a choice. And we have not had that in the last two years. You're certainly not alone, by the way, in the way you feel. Now, you have a, one son in high school, another son in college. 
let me ask you this. Do you think the board uh, was tipped off? I mean, did they know your presentation was coming and they didn't want to hear it and you weren't wearing a mask anyway, so let's get this guy out of there. Do you think that's part of uh, what went down here? I believe so. They, they, the, the, the school district knows that I'm, um, I, I'm pro-choice. Um, so the fact that I had already signed up for the meeting and was on the list, the board, uh, the president of the board knew who I am, who I was, and knew that I was on the, the list to speak. Um, and, and, you know, and the, the, the superintendent of the district last year made a decision in between uh, Governor Cuomo's emergency orders expiring to, to remove the masks from kids' faces. We had one day of no masking in the school district, and he was pressured by New York State, our county, the unions, teachers. So he had to reverse that decision on a Tuesday. There was one day where our kids David, didn't have masks. David, I'm sorry, we, we, we're out of time. I, I want it, and I get it. I totally, look, we all understand these things are ridiculous at this point. Chad, very quickly, what are your legal options? I mean, he looks like he's okay, but I don't like that this happened. He doesn't like that this happened. What can you do? And I only got about 15 seconds left. Sure, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. He has a a civil action that he can bring against this uh, district. This district and this security guard um, essentially violated his constitutional rights. It's considered a civil battery in New York State to to place your hands on somebody uh, in, in the manner that you saw in this video. So we are going to pursue those avenues against the district. All right. Keep us posted. This should not have happened. Uh, Wild, absolutely wild. David Callis, thank you. Your attorney, thank Chad Hummel, thank you. Thank you, Keep Greg. in touch, you bet. Well, we'll be right back. Twenty twenty one was the deadliest year for law enforcement officers in history. So isn't it particularly outrageous, insulting, disrespectful that at the Super Bowl, Two well-known, well-established, quite frankly, cop haters, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, will be the headliners at the halftime show. Uh, Dr. Dre essentially coined the phrase, help write the song, F the police. And Snoop Dogg has uh, adopted that and repeated it many, many times in his songs. I don't think this is uh, correct. I think it's a terrible uh, uh, development. And uh, I'd like to, though, get an expert opinion. Career law enforcement officer David Clark, former sheriff of Milwaukee County and a good friend of Newsmax. Sheriff Clark, welcome back. Good to see you. How are you? Well, I've been better. Look, let's get right into this thing here. A little backdrop. You started at 458 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty in 20. 21 that is a 55% increase over 2020 and that was a record number of officers killed in the line of duty year as well so this is still on the rise and that the NFL would kick every law enforcement officer in the United States in the teeth by inviting these two pieces of trash Snoop Dogg and Dr Dre to avowed cop killers you had the the lyrics up there that's just the, the the tip of the iceberg of their contempt and disdain for law enforcement officers and apparently Roger Goodell didn't get the message when he tried this social justice crap uh, last season, and it led to a record number of people turning away from the NFL. I'm also disappointed, though, in law enforcement unions, especially in California. Here was a great opportunity when these two goofballs were announced to be headlining the halftime show of the Super Bowl. The unions representing police officers 
should have gone to Roger Goodell in the NFL and said, we are not going to participate in any security uh, of your event until two things happen. One, we want a public apology from Snoop Dogg for his hateful, divisive rhetoric toward the law enforcement officers. And two, we want the same contribution that you gave to of $250 million over the next 10 years to social justice causes. We want you, NFL, to donate $250 million to the Concerns of Police Survivors, uh, which is an organization that helps the spouses, the uh, survivors of law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty. And if you do not do it, we will boycott your security. Good luck having that event. Wow. I, I wish you could have made that case to him directly. Who knows? He just might have changed his mind. Sheriff Clark, you are a, uh, a, a national treasure. And uh, look, I want to take you out of law enforcement for a moment. Um, these guys, these clowns, these uh, whatever we want to call them, Dre and Snoop, they are, I guess, admired in certain parts of the community. There are a lot of aspiring rappers slash hip-hop artists out there. But tonight there is one less. A young man by the name of Jaquan, uh, Jaquan uh, Hanley Perry, here in New York City. He was 18 years old. He was becoming a fairly well-known drill rapper. And he was shot in gang violence. His father actually says that his son was getting involved with the devil's music. That's what he calls drill rap, the devil's music. And if you look at these lyrics... He's onto something. Can you talk a little bit about what you've seen? Young people, particularly young people of color, are drawn to these hip hop artists and want to emulate them. They want the lifestyle. They want to do what they do. And the results are often deadly and lives ruined. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, and I don't know everything about that story. I heard about it, but apparently he's in that environment. You know, I heard you say, a gang, gangland-type uh, killing. This stuff happens every day. That's not hyperbole. Every day on the streets and the ghettos all across America. You have record numbers of murders over the last couple of years, a record number of people shot in drive-by shootings, aggravated assaults. So, you know, add this guy to the total. Look, I don't wish this on anybody. I really don't. I'm not that cruel. But for heaven's sakes, this should be a message to all those people in positions of leadership, like Roger Goodell, like Snoop Dogg, and like Dr. Dre, to realize. And I'm not asking them to be role models, but for heaven's sakes, you have a responsibility. When you're out there advocating for all of this violence, li listen to the lyrics of these songs. And it isn't just hate toward law enforcement officers, but it's also degradation of women, for heaven's sakes. And by the way, Snoop Dogg was just... Uh, uh, handed a lawsuit by a woman accusing him of rape. Now, I realize these are allegations, but I'll tell you what, with his past and the lyrics in his music, where there's smoke, there's fire. So we're going to continue to see this. The system didn't fail this 18-year-old. No, the system didn't fail him. You know, and, and like I said, I don't wish this on anybody, but this guy, obviously, and as we learn more, I think you'll find out, he was headed toward this. Uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, is in a way blaming the system. Um, now, this is, uh, we can have a discussion about this, but he missed a lot of school, this kid. I'd like to play you uh, what the mayor said about this. 
Over the course of his high school years, Jaquan missed over 250 days of school, a clear sign that he needed more help. Our city should have caught that. We should have done more. You know, we've had truant officers for a long time. Uh, I don't know whose responsibility it is to get someone to school. I actually think it's the family's responsibility more than anyone else. I don't know if it's the school board or anything like that. What do you think? Because he's really pointing his finger at the bureaucracy, which he just inherited, which I think is self-serving. He's also talking somewhat critically about the hip hop community, but not really. What do you make of what he said? Well, this is typical. And you know what? Eric Adams out of the gate has stumbled. and He's turning out to be a fraud. It's always an external force with these excuse making, the excuse making that goes on after cases like this. Like I said, the system did not fail him. You know, this is the result of ineffective parenting. This didn't start when this guy turned 18 years old. This started long before that. Where were the parents? It's the cultural rot, the acceptance, the embracing of cultural rot and cultural dysfunction within the black community that contributes, I didn't say causes, contributes to this sort of thing. So as long as these young people and the parents are going to stand by this ineffective and failed parenting and do nothing, and they embrace onto this cultural rot like this, you're going to see more of it. It's not society's fault. It's the parents' fault. Sheriff, as you know, uh, you speak very bluntly, powerfully, and with truth about these issues that most people are afraid to talk about, especially, quite frankly, white people. Um, They don't want to appear judgmental. Everyone's terrified of being called a racist. Um, You can make the case like very few others, although I think anybody should be able to make this case. My question to you, what's next for you, man? Because uh, a lot of us, you talked about, I think people would like to see you run for something. It's been talked about before. What's on your plate right now? Well, right now, mission number one is to defend the character, the sacrifice, the service of the law enforcement officers all across the United States. I still get to speak to that. Thank you for bringing me on uh, with your platform tonight to do that. You know, I'm trying not to make this about me. I'm a foot soldier for freedom and liberty. That's job number two, uh, the mission that I'm on. Look, I was the tip of the spear for a while. I can add to it. I'm still involved. I'm in the belly of the beast, but I'm doing it more from a foot soldier position. You don't have to be an elected official to make a difference. Some people think you do. It's for some people. I had that. You know, I was a sheriff in Milwaukee County. It's like the 21st largest county in the United States of America. Got national attention, national coverage. But it's not about me. It's about my message. And like you said, everybody can't talk like this, so I'll do it for them. But everybody that listens to your show, they already get it. Thank you, Sheriff Clark. Thank you very, very much. To be continued, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. You bet. My pleasure. We'll be right back. Well, now. Thank you. I will not be watching the Super Bowl halftime show. Think about joining me. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.